Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Healthy Mind Matters, brought to you by Intermountain Healthcare on KSL News Radio. Thank you for joining us for Healthy Mind Matters. I'm Maria Shaleos. Today we are talking about multicultural communities and what they are experiencing during the COVID-19 pandemic and the protests, the Black Lives protests that we have seen in the past few weeks. With me today, Nubia Pena, the director of the Utah Division of Multicultural Affairs, Byron Russell, who is the co-chair of the Multicultural Subcommittee of Utah's COVID-19 Task Force, and Zeman Sal, the director of Salt Lake County's Office for New Americans. We've done a good job of talking about the disparities, but I'm wondering how these disparities impact people even more emotionally. So maybe focus in for just a moment about how the emotional impact when you cannot get on the Internet, you cannot get the information that is so pertinent in this time. What a toll that has to be taking on families. And maybe we'll work backwards this time around. And Zeman, why don't you start? Yeah, I, I, I think that the, the digital divide really does magnify um, some of the disparities of, uh, we are seeing, especially in terms of mental health care. Um, relying on technology to connect with a family member is, is, is sometimes a luxury to, to many in our community. Uh, we have phones, of course. I think that uh, one that we recognize is that a lot of our community have access to phones, but the phones is, is a very small mechanism to connect. Um, we're, we're right now doing Zoom calls or WebEx calls. Those technologies is, is just, um, it's not, it's not as, as normalized as many of our communities are in that. Um, so I think that the disparities um, that we're seeing right now has to do with the divide, but I think it's also cultural as well. Um, I think that for a lot of the communities, uh, the, the, the importance of um, community gatherings, uh, the importance of seeing families, multi-generational families, um, is really important and is, is so embedded into um, the culture uh, as we were talking with some of uh, our Pacific Islander uh, communities. Um, they love getting together, right? Their, their way of bonding, their way of really relieving um, the, the, a lot of the emotional stress is by attending events, um, you know, the various ceremonies that they provide. And during this pandemic, that that is not no longer an option for them. And so I think that, that those cultural nuances, uh, the cultural practices, also influence the degree uh, that mental health is affecting our communities. 
And I would take it one step further. You know, I attempted to be optimistic about addressing the systemic changes, um, but I'm going to track a little more sort of in a gloom and doom scenario because, you know, when you talk about the impact, and as Nubia referenced, the uh, population, um, you know, ratio of Latinos to those who are infected, you know, a lot of this has to do with multi-generational living. I mean, a lot of these communities, um, a lot of us can't even relate to the fact of having a home that's 700 square feet. Most people relate to their garage as being 700 square feet. And yet these people live together in some cases. They live uh, with a grandmother, uh, a parent, and their kids, and sometimes even something below that. So just consider that. Consider the amount of space that you have, one, for your your health you know your your the idea of being quarantined in a home of 700 square feet is is really very very difficult if not impossible but i'm going to go one step further and just talk about you know you brought up mental health well think about a lot of our youth who struggle um, they struggle with a lot of issues that you know they they're taken from school and they are in their home. And some of our uh, individuals, and we will soon know more about this, unfortunately, there's a suicide rate that goes with that. There's a attempted suicide rates. There is a very um, concerning moment of mental anguish, you know, from the fact that parents are having to have and to be home with kids um, and they're not used to that. They're used to having their kids go and there's a separation of time and the kids are not used to having their parents there. And so there is a huge amount of mental anguish um, that is forced upon families. And especially when you can't go to the third floor of your house or you can't go into the basement and play your drums, um, there, there's a lack of that luxury to be able to adapt. And that adaptation, in some cases, is being merited and, 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 and placed by people being able to say, well, you know, you have to stay in this room and we will give you the food. And if you look at some of the CDC requirements, that's great. But if you don't have other rooms and you're living with people who are actually impacted because of their vulnerable age, then you're dealing not only with people who are you know not able to stay in place you know and i think that most people would like to but not only are they not able to stay in place they actually have two or three jobs and they are exposed even more and it's not just like they can go out once they have to go out every day and so the chances of them and that mental state and that physical impact is very much due to the demographic and the and the social economic condition of of some of our uh, vulnerable um, our vulnerable populations. And if I can also add, um, as you see, Maria, we're talking about so many different issues that are all interconnected. Um, when you look at the digital divide, but then also the the increased disparities we're seeing around food insecurity. The fact that people are scared that they don't know where their next meal might come from or the loss of wages because of furloughs or um, being unemployed. Um, the fact that we have families that are undocumented and mixed status and they were 
left out of the uh, economic relief efforts um, from the federal stimulus checks. We also have rising concerns with evictions looming and people being afraid that they might not have somewhere to, to sleep at night. And then we also look at the increased rates of domestic violence in our communities. The fact that we have homes that are across the state of Utah unsafe for women, for children, for, for people who might not know where to, to find resources to seek help. And then we look at the systems that are built to provide support and they're maxed. And there's no additional space in the shelters. Um, all of this is compounded crisis. All of this is uh, creating a cumulative effect that is boiling over. And our families are struggling. And mental health is very real. And mental health is also very taboo when we talk about multicultural communities. So I'm grateful that we're having this conversation because it allows us to think through when we are creating outreach programs and we are thinking through uh, donating to places um, to really look at the margins and to think about the families that are not only experiencing unique crisis, but multiple forms and intersectional ways in which the crisis is, is magnified because of COVID, but also because of how mental health affects um, families from multicultural, underserved, and historically marginalized populations. Such an important conversation, and the magnitude seems almost overwhelming when you're talking about these disparities. We need to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about how you are reaching out to the various communities and trying to help and what the rest of us can do as well. And you're listening to Healthy Mind Matters on KSL News Radio.